And welcome in, everybody, to Big 12 Football and Beyond. I am Chris Landry, taking you through our weekly look at all things going on in the Big 12. We'll be breaking down today. We have gone through every uh, team in the conference. We've broken down all the teams um, with the preview section, except for the last three. And we're going to get to Baylor, Kansas, and Kansas State today. And, folks, if you think about it, tomorrow, if you when we appreciate everybody joining us, if you've joined us on all of our shows, tomorrow we'll have the last four teams in the country that we've uh, we've yet to break down, and we'll get to those in the Pac-12. And, folks, we'll be ready to go. So really excited to join you again. Appreciate those that are joining us on twitch.tv slash Football. Join us in the chat room. Bring your questions. We're going to answer them in the mailbag towards the end of the show. So we're going to go over Baylor. We're going to go over Kansas. We're going to go over Kansas State. Uh, a reminder, uh, we usually start off with some news and notes, and you can check more of the details out over at LandryFootball.com. Uh, but Devin Neal, the Kansas freshman running back, a really good-looking player that's got a chance to earn some playing time, is having a good camp. Tony Mathis has been limited in practice over at West Virginia. The running back there, Hudson Card, is – He's going to win that job at Texas. We'll see. Um, big news recruiting-wise from Oklahoma, getting Luther Burden, a uh, five-star kid. Um, but they has reopened his recruitment, so this is a loss for them. Uh, we'll see whether he ends up. Got some news and notes, injuries around the conference, so check those out over at LandryFootball.com. You can not only get the in-depth scouting reports of all the games that are coming up, but you can also get over there the news and notes from around practices around the country, not just in the Big 12, but uh, everywhere around the country. So let's get after it here. And uh, we're going to, as we've kind of broken down the entire league, um, we want to get to kind of the final stages where we're taking a look at the final three teams. And those final three being Baylor, Kansas, and Kansas State. And I want to start with today, Baylor. And when you look at Baylor, we know that uh, the history, recent history, there have been issues with that program off the field, with Art Browse, the success that they had, the run that they were on, very, very impressive. Yet, after Art Browse left, it was a very tumultuous time. It led to a recent ruling about where um, they are in the NCAA, which is kind of comical in their time. But Matt Rule had a seven-year contract, and it was a well-deserved lengthy contract as it was going to be a big fix, big long-term fix. And the thing that Matt did very well was to build a defense, and he's doing that right now in Carolina with the Panthers. But he built a very good defensive front, good linebackers, a secondary that could play. They had some pieces on offense, but they were good, physical, well-coached team. It had a lot of the components that his teams had, not just schematically, but stylistically at Temple. But he took it and he built it and he built on it at Baylor. He did have a senior-laden team in which had a really good year in his final year before he ended up going to the NFL. And so in comes Dave Aranda, and when I look at it, 
this is a big time rebuild again. Different reasons and different circumstances. They lost a lot of key personnel. Yet you throw in the fact that if you're not Texas or Oklahoma in the Big 12, what's your future? So now you got to figure out what's your recruiting future. What conference are you going to be in? Are you going to be in the same conference? What is that conference going to look like? How good is it going to be? A lot of questions are going to be asked that are going to be difficult for them to answer. So their job just got a lot tougher. Um, They have got some decent skill guys when I look at at Baylor, but the offensive line was one of the worst in college football. They're changing over the offense. Jeff Grimes is coming in, and Jeff Grimes is an offensive line and a run game specialist, which is completely opposite from what Larry Fedora and the uh, George Munoz mix brought them last year. But the offensive line couldn't get any push. It couldn't pass protect. It was a big issue. So they're going to be running more of the outside zone look. Um, They didn't um, have – an off season last year to prepare as a first year coach, implementing new offense and defensive systems in a pandemic, a bigger issue, no doubt. I thought their um, confidence kind of hit a wall last year, and, and you could see a team struggle a little bit. But I'm looking at it this year, and I'm seeing it's a deep receiving core. Let's take some of the positives. R.J. Sneed and Tyquan Thornton and Josh Fleeks and Gavin Holmes, the Dartmouth grad, uh, Drew Estrada. You've got some some potential to work there. The quarterback, Jolie Brewer, uh, transferred to Utah at the end of the season. He struggled. They couldn't protect him. He became gun-shy. So you've got uh, the limited experience gives Jerry Bohannon and sophomore Jacob Zeno the edge. Blake Chapman, Kyron Drones. Bohannon is more of a running threat. Geno is more of a passing threat. You saw him a little bit, if you remember, in the championship game, the conference championship game in, in 19. But they're trying to work uh, a little bit of a different scheme, and they want to run, but they obviously know they want to utilize the skill position at receiver. Sneed was the team's leading receiver. Thornton is going to provide that big play threat. Um, you got Tristan Ebner, um, that was a, um, productive returner in the return game and is a good fit in some of this wide zone look that they're going to give. Now, Connor Galvin is a three-year start at left tackle. He's the one guy that I'm excited about on the offensive line. Then Grant Miller comes in from Vanderbilt. Then they've got a redshirt freshman and Mika Mazuka. Those guys are going to have to really help step up the offensive line, and that's where Jeff Grimes is going to have to earn his in his pay there. They're returning 22 players on a defense who got significant snaps. Ron Roberts, um, they've got a little bit better comfort level only in that they've been able to install certain things that they couldn't get done last year. So they understand what they're doing. They're at least in the spring, we're able to get into the right spot, getting to the right calls. I like the linebacker, Terrell Bernard. 
I thought he was really instinctive. I thought he did a good job with his run fits. Then you've got the Iowa transfer, Dylan Doyle. R- remember, he's Chris Doyle's son. They've got the converted running back, Abram Smith, and the sophomore, Matt Jones, who's another inside backer. I think that's the strength of the defense, if there is one. I think they're jack backer position with Vicar Obrey and Bryson Jackson. And I think to some degree, Ashton Logan, Jason, uh, Jalen Petrie, um, that's going to be the key, uh, you know, uh, for that outside backer position in, in creating some edge rush pressure. Now, the biggest improvement likely is going to be up front with the LSU transfer, Siaki Ika. He joins TJ Franklin and Gabe Hall and Obiana. Um, they've got to become a little bit more athletic. They've got to recruit a little bit better on that side of the ball because I just don't think they run well enough there. The fifth-year senior corner, um, Riley Texada and um, Chris Morgan is a pretty good-looking group there. Now, if Kalen Barnes can stay healthy, it gives them a corner that can play lockdown for them. Now, I mentioned special teams. Ebner returned two kickoffs for touchdown. He averaged over 32 yards per return. It's a big threat there. Um, And John Mayers is another guy that um, was productive as a field goal kicker. Isaac Power averaged 40.3 yards a kick. So uh, they're going to have to clean up things. They were not a real clean-looking football team last year. I think in terms of recruiting, all in all, not bad, kind of finishing middle of the pack, but they've got to upgrade their recruiting to that next level. And I think uh, if they can, there's a future there in that program. I look at where they might end up, and I look at at the overall schedule. I think they're in that bottom three, and I don't know where to put them yet. I'm probably thinking for Baylor seven. It definitely ahead of Kansas. It's really more Baylor, Kansas State. Uh, I think that's kind of where I see it. If you look at them, Texas State, he certainly will play that. Oh, let's play. Let's look at the schedule game. Texas State and Texas Southern in Kansas. So I expect a 3-0 start. I don't obviously like their chances against Iowa State and Oklahoma State. I think there's 3-0, and and then I think they're 3-2. and I think West Virginia is a key swing game. I think BYU is a key game for them. Those two, they can compete. I expect them to lose to BYU. I expect them to lose to Texas. I expect them to lose to TCU. I expect them to lose to Oklahoma. I think Kansas State's a swing game. I think Texas, Texas swing game. So, I mean, I think there's six losses. I think there are three wins. There are four swing games. Uh, Actually, you know, I would say West Virginia, Kansas State, Texas Tech. I do think West Virginia's better. If I had to get off the fence, I would give them an L there. So, I'm thinking – Seven losses is almost unavoidable. I think if they can beat Kansas State and Texas Tech or pull an upset somewhere, I think five wins are doable. I think going from two and seven to five wins is not something that should be ashamed of. This is a team that probably ranks, you know, in, in about 65 nationally in terms of overall personnel. It's a big rebuild. And as I mentioned, the concern I have for everybody, every one of these teams is 
you're rebuilding it in an era where you don't know what conference that you're in. This is something that's really unprecedented. On to the Kansas Wildcats, Kansas Jayhawks, and we'll get to the Kansas State Wildcats in a second. The Kansas Jayhawks, and we'll get to your questions. I see Kev Vilargo joining us. We'll get to your questions in the mailbag section later. You're talking about long-term rebuild. We're talking one in Baylor. There's no one that has a longer-term rebuild, and I'm talking six or seven years, than Lance Leopold at Kansas. Lance did a great job at Wisconsin Whitewater. Did a great job at University of Buffalo. Again, it's a different job than when he took it just a few months ago. Is that they don't know what conference they're going to be in. They don't know who's going to be in their conference. But this is right now. It's the worst looking, worst run, worst organized, worst coach program, poor talent that there is in the power five. But let me just tell you, and I, again, I'm going to throw this out for the fifth time in this early show. We don't know the future big 12 ish, but Kansas, I'm not talking winning big that Kansas football winning big is, is not something that's going to happen consistently, but they have one in their history. And if you can do it at Kansas State, you can do it at Iowa State. You can do it at Kansas. Now, going forward, it's going to be tougher for all of those schools, including some of the others that have had success. The West Virginia that's new to the league, the Baylors, the Oklahoma States. Um, I mean, everybody in that league, you know, TCU is going to have a challenge. Texas Tech, it's going to be tough for everyone. But what do they have to do is, in addition to being bereft of talent, other than Puka, uh, good back, I, they just don't have a whole lot of playmakers, and they've done a poor job of recruiting. I thought Les did a – look, Les recruited some good young players, not enough of them, not a lot of them, but we know that situation went bad. Typically, of, Tessa's, of, of Les's teams, they were poorly coached. Tons of turnovers. The special teams were awful. The Simon errors. Lance Leopold and his staff have done historically really good jobs of taking the personnel that they have and fitting to what works. You know, I've seen them run it a whole bunch at Baylor with the quarterback then run it very little and throw the football. They're going to take what they have and they're going to adapt to it. They're going to run an outside zone rushing scheme, which is going to help their limited offensive line play. A little bit more angle blocking. But fixing the special teams is half the battle there. 0-9 last year. Again, uh, lots of turmoil. Jeff Long's gone. The negativity of less miles, not that the problems didn't happen at Kansas, it happened at LSU. That just was an, a bad look. Let's see what this is a big time challenge. Um, Kolonicki is one of the really good, bright coordinators. Um, and he's got long ties to Lance Leopold. He comes over, as I mentioned. 
the issue and the biggest issue on the offense is the offensive line, but they also don't have playmakers. Um, they're going to need to grow up quickly. Scott um, Fuchs has um, a lot on his plate there. We're going to see what Errol Bostic can do. Um, the Colin Grunyard comes over from, from Notre Dame as a transfer. Mike Nowitzki and Mike Ford come over from Buffalo. So we're going to see if they can stabilize the line a little bit and, again, run that outside zone scheme. They made a late move in the, with their quarterback spot. They added Jason Bean from North Texas. He's a speedster that can really run. They'll certainly work him into the run game a great deal. Jalen Daniels, Jalen Daniels, not Jalen Daniels from Arizona State, but Jalen Daniels is a big-arm guy that struggled some with the scheme and decision-making, and they'll see what they can make out of him. Um, Lawrence Arnold has got a lot of ability um, as a playmaker. Stephen McBride needs to add some muscle. Uh, he's got some speed to his game. The backfield, Velton Garner, Daniel Henshaw. On the defensive side, um, they struggled, boy. They And they had the COVID issues and the lack of depth, and it really reared its ugly head. The defensive linemen had some encouraging moments. Um, like uh, Marcus Harris and Dejon Terry showed some flashes. But both Harris and Terry uh, decided to transfer after spring. Um, I think they were encouraged to, quite frankly. But Zion DeBose and Eddie Wilson and Ronnie McGee were, were brought in. Uh, just not enough depth there, folks, on the defensive front. The other main strength, um, or the the one main strength, could be their secondary. They did suffer some attrition. Kron Prutney was probably their best player. Transferred to South Carolina. Um, the Missouri State transfer Jeremy Webb could help right away at corner. Kenny Logan Jr. brings some athletic ability to the safety spot. Deuce Mayberry. Um, Jacoby Bryant also provides some depth. A linebacker, question mark again. Kyron Johnson brings some experience. Gavin Potter, Taewon Berryhill's a potential breakout guy. So, look, I, I'm very confident in saying this team's the worst one in the Big 12. I think they've got a massive rebuild, as I mentioned. And I think anything short of a seven-year contract or a, a giving him seven years is is foolish. It's You're spinning your wheels. Uh, and again, the job, to reiterate, just got that much tougher. Across the state, Kansas State. It's an interesting program in that we know the program is going to be always associated with Bill Snyder. It's just weird or unique, maybe, that you associate historically in college football, as old as college football is, you associate a program with a modern-day coach. And, you know, Bill certainly was that and is that. They were they were nothing forever. I mean, gosh, I, I can remember back in the day when Steve Grogan was a the quarterback there, and they weren't very good. Steve was. Had a good career with the Patriots. But they were nothing until Bill Snyder and then, quite frankly, struggled and came back and did a good job again. I like what Chris Kleiman is trying to do. I like the identity of how he's trying to mesh with what he inherited. They're using the Iowa State formula. 
they just don't have as much players as Iowa State has. They haven't been there that long. And again, pandemic year. I thought they played very well against Oklahoma, that to say the least. But the quarterback play held them back. Nobody, nobody for the past 15 years has employed the, the, the quarterback in the run game more than Kansas State. That was a Bill Snyder staple. I mean, it was a zone read, the power read. Quarterback counter, quarterback trap, they ran it more than anybody. And they controlled the football. They compressed the game. That's the formula that Iowa State has. They've just done a better job with it to this point. Um, they got to get more out of the passing game. And I, I think they would have, and I think they will this year, uh, with the return of their quarterback, Skylar Thompson, who I think is a playmaker and can give them more. So I think this is one of the teams you want to hear, Mark, is going to have a better year this year. Um, they've got a good running back, and uh, they had to force the running game too much last year, and that was the biggest issue. They don't have enough playmakers, you know, offensively to do a whole lot of damage. But we'll see. I, it, if you look at it, the first 18 games that Chris Kleiman had had 12 wins a bowl appearance, contract extension. You know, they finished the 2020 season with all losses. If we're going to throw out, in many cases, give everybody a a COVID mulligan, you know, we'll see. We'll see where they are. Give it more time to develop. I think everything I would say is positive. They've got some key returning seniors that I think will be a part of it. Skylar Thompson's the biggest one. Um. When he went out with his shoulder uh, injury in uh, the third game against Tech, it just changed their season around. Having him will be a, a big part. Gets injured again, you got a problem. Deuce Vaughn is a really good running back, as I mentioned. He had an outstanding freshman season. Um, got a more experienced offensive line, like the center Noah Johnson. Um, finding other playmakers, that's the problem. Um, Chabaston Taylor led the group with only about 295 yards receiving. He missed spring with an injury. Malik Knowles is a top vertical threat. Phillip Brooks, Keenan Garber. The Illinois transfer, um, Daniel Imorabadi, um, who can give a an option uh, at tight end. Riley Moore is a guy that was pretty effective for him. So I'm very curious to see what they can milk out of this offense. On defense, Joe Klanderman's going to have a different look. Wyatt Hubert is gone. Boy, was he a good player for them. He was a playing Jesse up front. Elijah Sullivan and Justin Hughes in in the middle and A.J. Parker on the perimeter are solid players, but they're going to miss Wyatt's instincts, his ability to close as a rusher. The best transfer they got was Julian Brents, who's going to play corner. who began his career at Iowa. He's got size. He's got some physicality. They're going to rely on the Louisville transfer, Russ Yeats, who came in at safety. Utah State transfer, Eric Munoz at linebacker. The Charlotte transfer, uh, Tim Horn at defensive tackle. Um, J. Ron McPherson is kind of the quarterback of the defense at safety. I think linebacker is still the question mark. Daniel Green and Cody Fletcher played out of necessity. I don't think they're good enough. Uh, If you look at this program again, 
they're probably not as good of a they're definitely not as recruiting uh, good of a recruiting program as say Baylor by comparison of the three teams we're breaking down today. But I think it's one in which they understand who they are. And I think the model and the plan has been Iowa State. It's been Kansas State under Bill Snyder. And I think that's the one thing that I'm at least happy that they're doing. Not that I want it to look like Bill Snyder, but they had success. And at Kansas State, look, there are a couple of ways you do it. You go out and you're going to be up-tempo, spread, and try to match what other people are doing in the league. But then are you going to match them with the players that are just as good? I don't think that's realistic. So, and that's what Kansas State tries to, uh, Oklahoma State tries to do to some degree. But Oklahoma State can get better players than Iowa State and Kansas State for the most part. So if you're Kansas State, I think if you're Kansas, I think if you're Iowa State, I think if you're Texas Tech, well, Texas Tech has done it differently over the years. And they've had some success. But you can do it a couple of ways. But if you're going to do it, and you're going to do it in an alternative way, you got to be able to be physical, run the football. And this is what they do. The system that Iman runs is the system that he ran at North Dakota State. At North Dakota State, he had better personnel than relative to the programs he had in his league uh, that he competed against. That's not the case now. So he's having to upcoach them a little bit more. So I'm very curious to see how this plays out. Um, can he get this to where Iowa State has gotten it? Again, I'll leave you as I've started. Is that we don't know where the Big 12 is. We don't know where the problem is with where do you fit them as a league at this point and where they end up. You very well are looking at now immediately programs that looked at themselves as power five schools because they're in a power five league. A lot of these schools that we're talking about, some of them are power five schools, but they're going to be in a group of five league. In some cases, they're group of five programs that are going to be now in group of five leagues. So I, I think that's going to be really intriguing and concerning for everyone that is left over in the big 12. Let's get to a couple of questions. Uh, actually, one question we got from Kev Belargo. Um, how serious are the allegations that Scott Frost was uh, was present at unsanctioned player workouts? Kev, I think it's serious because I think it's something it's something suspicious to me, Kev. I think this is the Big Ten's behind it. I think. Um, I think the Nebraska administration's behind it. I think they've got him on tape. And I think it's serious in this regard because I think it's evidence that they could fire Scott Frost with cause. I don't think there's any doubt Scott Frost is on the hot seat. He's one of their own. And so I think there's going to be a little bit of heat by some firing one of your own, but a lot of the Nebraska fans are frustrated anyway and would like to see him gone. I don't think there's any doubt that this is like what Kansas did a few years ago. A couple of times they do try to do this. They can fire a coach with cause and not have to pay him. 
I don't have any doubt in my mind this is a part of it. Remember, too, Scott was very vocal, as was Nebraska, but Scott was leading the way of, hey, you know what? We don't care about the Big Ten. We're going to play football last year. And people like myself will applaud that, but the people in the Big Ten office, they weren't real happy with that. I smell something here as they're trying to get the goods on Scott Frost so they can fire him with cause. New athletic director, and yes, Trev Alberts, knows Scott Frost pretty well. Two ex-Cornhuskers. I just, me adds two and two and two together. And even with my LSU education, I would say that's adds up to six. We'll see. I don't know if anything happens at the beginning of the year. I think there'll be an investigation. And then if there's not a lot of success on the field, methinks they may come out with this has everything of the looks of pinning it on Scott and firing him with cause. Scott Frost got his own attorney. I mean, this is not one of those, they're going to back him. You know, you got the school's attorneys that are going to represent the school, but they're not going to represent Scott Frost. He got his own attorney. I think that speaks volumes. Great question there, Kevin. Yeah, look, and Kev, kudos to him. This is all these shows. It's Big 12 football and beyond. It's an old Big Big 12 school, Nebraska. We'll answer those questions. Uh, that's part of the beyond, and we'll take any of the questions on college football here, uh, right here. But uh, uh, even as we break down each of the leagues in their own different shows, we'll discuss it all. So appreciate that, Kevin. Appreciate you cheering us on some bits there. Um, reminder that if you're catching this show in the podcast form, you can catch this show live. And again, if you've got like Kev, any questions, and if it's not Big 12 related, no problem. Bring it on. We'll get to it. Even if it's an NFL stuff, we'll get to it in the mailbag section at the end of the show as we did today. If you're catching this podcast live, catch us live on twitch.tv slash Chris Landry football. It's the best way to join us and participate in the show. And uh, we're excited. We're going to find a new uh, podcast home uh, that you're going to be able to catch um, the Big 12, the Big 10, and the Pac-12 conference shows. Uh, but you're going to be able to get it direct uh, uh, d- direct from LandryFootball.com so you can go and check that out. Hey, appreciate you joining us. A reminder, at the top of the hour, it's the Landry Football Podcast. So 5 Central topic today. We'll cover a couple of little things there. We'll, we'll talk a little bit about um, some of the news and notes, but we're going to get into as we have, we're going to finish. We're wrapping towards the end. We've taken a position a week and breaking down the evaluation criteria of each position. And today it's going to be linebackers. So check us out at the top of the hour. We're going to give the breakdowns, how we evaluate linebackers, the differences between the two. We'll get to the defensive backs next week. We're going to figure out a way the following week to get into special teams and really kind of blow your mind with some special team stock of how do you look at things in terms of numbers and how you evaluate holders and snappers going to be a lot of fun. So hope you like that football deep dive stuff. So check out all the stuff that we're doing here, part of the Landry football network reminder. Again, you can get all the breakdowns of all the teams we broke down today, all the big 12 teams, 
all of the teams all around the country over at LandryFootball.com, all the NFL teams. And we're going to be getting into the breaking down the games mold over at LandryFootball.com as we're going to be next week at this time into week zero preparation. So look forward to joining on each and all of the shows. We'll see you over at LandryFootball.com. Take advantage of the football season offer. And we'll talk to you at the top of the hour for the Landry Football Podcast. So long, everybody, and thanks for joining us.